What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, as always, Jack Vita, back here in action on a Monday. It is March 29th, 2021. Greetings to all of those who, all of you who are joining us on Twitter and YouTube and Facebook live right now. Uh, We are recapping the Sweet 16. I have a great guest who's going to join me in a moment, and we will take a look at the upcoming slate of games. With it being Holy Week, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Easter stuff, uh, which I'm excited about. It's a big week. Great, really great time right now. We got baseball getting going on Thursday. My guest is also a huge White Sox fan, so he'll get to share some thoughts on that. Uh, We have a lot coming up on the podcast this week. As of now, the plan is I'm going to release the AL Central, the final division preview of my MLB preview series. That will be dropping on, I believe that will be tomorrow, Tuesday. So I'll come out on Tuesday, Wednesday, after the completion of the Elite Eight. There should be another live stream uh, recap of the Elite Eight preview of the Final Four with another guest. Uh, figuring that out uh, at the moment, but uh, excited for that nonetheless. And as I mentioned, with it being Holy Week, uh, we're going to have a pretty cool podcast, a little bonus show coming up later this week. Um, one of the things I think is really cool about Easter and Good Friday is how Jesus makes, he comes back from the dead. So we're going to talk about the best comebacks in sports over the last 20 years or so. And we're going to compare it to uh, Jesus coming back. So that should be a lot of fun. I hope you guys will all subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any of that stuff. It's going to be a great week. Subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. That's uh, facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. My Twitter and Instagram is at Jack Vita Show and youtube.com slash Jack Vita. So you don't miss out on any of our streams, any of our new content coming out. You can log on to my website, jackvita.com, get the newsletter, uh, just click on one of the pieces that I've written or posted. And then uh, whenever I write something, create a video or a podcast, it'll go straight into your email inbox. Uh, but I don't want to waste any more time. We have such an awesome guest joining us here on the show for the first time. And what's so great about having this guy on is that this is actually the 150th episode of the Jack Vita show. So why not include someone who's been coaching at Valpo for what seems like 150 years? Uh, Coach Gore, uh, this is associate head coach, Luke Gore. Uh, He's been with the program a, a very long time. Uh, hey, Jack, congrats on home 50. That's awesome, man. Um, it hasn't been home 50 years. It's been 19. So uh, <laughs> but it, uh, quite a bit. And I started pretty young, so I don't feel that old. So but uh, it's, uh, when, you, when you're at such a wonderful place and doing, you know, doing what I love and and not only associating with our guys, but associating with guys like you, Jack, it's just it's it's just Valpo is such a, a special place, um, as is a lot of universities. But I think Valpo has a special little community on campus in the community that's just it's just uh it's really awesome so i love being here and love doing what i do yeah it is really awesome especially with our sports teams our athletic teams because you know i covered these teams for the school newspaper and i was only there for a couple years because i transferred in i was only there for my junior and senior year but i got to cover your team 
And every time I come back and visit, it feels like there's just so much jubilation and excitement just for me. And I wasn't even on the team. <laughs> well, you know what? It, it, it's, it is. It's, it, and that's the beauty of college sports, I believe, is the relationships you build. And you build that relationships in, in a competitive atmosphere. But are you doing it the right way? Um, are you doing it the way God wants you to do things, you know, and, and while we all make mistakes and we all make a lot of mistakes and I love that we're going to talk about Holy Week because what, once again, the beauty of Holy Week is you're, you'll make mistakes. Can you learn from them and get better and then ask for forgiveness and, and, and live the next day. We're not all perfect. Uh, the people around us aren't going to see things the same as you. They're going to go act the same as you, but can you respect them and, can you can you get along and, and can you have a big heart to let other people improve on their weaknesses as long as as you're improving on yours? So um, I'm excited. 150. And we're getting to talk about some <laughs> basketball, some White Sox. I mean, it's finally I, mean, I think it's going to get up to 55 today in Valpo. So I mean, that's 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 like summertime here. So uh, excited. <laughs> well, don't hate me here in Chicago. It's looking like 61 today. Oh, well, you know what? I haven't checked the weather. Maybe it's going to get to 60 today. Who knows? But um, I know I look outside, I see the sun. And when the sun's out, I mean, pretty much it doesn't matter what the weather, the temperature is. It's a good day to go outside. Oh, 100%. Got to get that vitamin D. So for those that don't know Coach Gore, uh, Coach Gore, you played at Bethel College in Tennessee. Uh, that's an NAIA school, right? You're right. You're right. It's in yeah. West Tennessee, a uh, small school uh, close to close to where I grew up. Um, you know, I was born in Chicago. Uh, my whole dad's side of the family's from Chicago, but he moved down South, uh, when he got tired of the winters and, uh, my whole life was pretty much in West Tennessee. So, uh, love it. Uh, Paris, Tennessee is where I grew up and, uh, had a great experience and, and got to play at Bethel and, and a great group of guys. And, and that all led to where I'm at today. Yeah, and I should tell you, I was just in Nashville a few weeks ago for the first time. It was incredible. I want to move there now. Tennessee, it was fantastic. Loved it. It's a great state. It's a great state. Uh, that's what my dad thought, too. Um, he didn't want to be in the, the – it wasn't as big a city then, but he wanted to be out in the country more because he was tired of the city. And um, that's where my wife's from, the Nashville area, just outside. So uh, get back when I can uh, to see family, but – we don't go into Nashville as much. Sometimes me and my wife will just take a, a date night or, a, um, you know, actually go for a couple of days and be tourists ourselves in Nashville, even though we know everything. Um, it's just, it is a great city. It's awesome. So coach, how did you end up getting into coaching then? Cause you said you got into it very young. You're quite a young coach mm -hmm. even now. Well, thanks Jack. Uh, well, <laughs> it, um, you know, I, I went to college. My initial uh, degree was going to be in math. Um, I was, I was, I love math. And so I was going to be a mathematician and, um, and playing basketball college and, and doing math and missing days of school. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't smart enough to be able to miss a day or two and then be able to catch up. So after I think calculus three, I was, it was, I realized that that wasn't the best route. Um, so then I went into education. I had a I had some really good college coaches and, uh, they had a great influence on me. And one of them was, uh, was, uh, Cal Luther who is a Valpo grad, played basketball at Valpo, and I think graduated in 1952. Um, so a little older than me. And um, and he, he just had a huge impact. And I was like, you know, that's what I really want to do. And he was, you know, gave me a lot of confidence and motivation. And, um, it, it, you know, I couldn't be more thankful for him guiding me in this on this path. 
That's awesome. And what I was really interested in is I was watching the Sweet 16. I was like, man, we got a lot of guys who are connected to Valpo in some way. We had Loyola Chicago. You've had to draw up game plans against those guys. We got Coach Powell, who was on staff with you at Valpo. He's over at Gonzaga now as an assistant. He's doing a great job. Did you did you uh, coach under Scott Drew too at Valpo? I did. He was my he was the, the my first year at Scott at, at Valpo. Scott was the head coach, and learned so much from. Still do every day. Um, you know, I, I'm very very fortunate that I, I can call Scott when we have issues or we would need advice, and and he he gives us great advice all the time. I can call home or whenever and 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 give us advice, give myself advice, and and both of them give they give more than just basketball advice. It's, it's, it's life advice. It's, it's how to, how to navigate being a college basketball coach. And, uh, and then, and then Bryce, I mean, me and Bryce are really close friends and, and coach together. And then, you know, the, the staffs that we've had, the people we've been here, they, you know, it's just, it's been a special, special time and looking forward to the future and, uh, and looking forward to seeing them guys succeed in the tournament, especially, uh, you know, you know, uh, Scott and Roger and, you know, all the guys. So, yeah, it's been it's been cool to see, and so I, I'm sure we'll talk plenty about that as we talk about some of these games. We'll we'll get started with Loyola though. So Loyola ended up dropping. They they made that they had that huge win over Illinois. They had a really good team this year. You guys saw them twice, and uh, Oregon State just was the better team on Saturday. They won sixty five fifty eight. What did you see in terms of game plan? Uh, how did Oregon State get that victory? How did they beat them? You know, Oregon State. I, you know, as every team, they they did they did a great job scouting Loyola first and foremost. Um, Loyola struggled from the outside a little bit. Um, they're not a bad shooting team. They're a good shooting team actually, but they they thrive on getting basket cuts. You know, cuts to the basket, and making layups, and doing that. And Oregon State did a phenomenal job of eliminating easy baskets. Um, they slowed up the game. They really because Loyola executes as well as anybody. And in order to slow them up you can't give them uh, easy shots at the rim ever. And so then you have to use your length. And Oregon State has great length. So they did that. They played zone. They switched up their defenses some. And it really it kept Loyola from getting those easy baskets. But it was a fight to the end. And Oregon State had to throw in a couple really tough shots uh, to finish it off at the end. And, and, you know, at the beginning of the game, Loyola was getting fouled a ton. And I really think it was about two or three made threes. And they would have been rolling. And they had had a good lead the rest of the game. But – you know, you got to give Oregon State and uh, and Coach uh, Wayne and, and their staff a great credit of, of just making it hard for Loyola to get the easy shots that they, they can get. Now, and you see later in the conference season, teams had, you know, they had a tougher time in Valley play to get those shots. And so games got closer. But then as soon as the tournament started, um, I think uh, uh, Rafferty did their second game. He was like, it's, it's a layup clinic out here. And you know, that's what they do. They, they execute and they, they have, you know, one of the most valuable college basketball players I've ever coached against and Cam Cuckrig. And he just, he makes it all work. And, and uh, coach uh, Moser does a great job of, you know, just keeping them on the same page and going in one direction. So I, I have to think you're a little uh, concerned about Crutwig and Williamson coming back for that fifth run and having to draw up schemes against them once again next year. I'm excited. Um, not, not, I, I'm not going to be concerned about the competition yeah. being great. I, I, I'm going to be excited about the opportunity to play against that competition. We, we as a staff and as a, a program and as players, as us continue to get better. So 
we can be in those you know situations to compete against them. There's a reason Valley teams win in the tournament because it's not easy. I mean, you know, we had a last second shot that got canceled at Loyola, uh, and or we've been going to OT, and we had a six point lead going into the last minute. And so, you know, it's it's it, no, I'm more excited. I'm excited yeah. for everybody to come back, and I'm excited for what we can do. Um, you know, we're not. It's just that's the beauty of this league. You know, um, we're not the, the winner of this league ain't going to the tournament and getting beat by 25 and being a 15 seed. I mean, it's I thought Loyola should have been a four seed, um, but they're an eight and they proved that why they're they should have been a four seed. Unfortunate for Illinois that they made Loyola an eight seed. Um, and then uh, Drake, you saw what Drake did and they were down a couple of their players. And so uh, and we were fortunate enough to beat them this year. Um, you know, we've had two top 25 wins in the last, you know, four or five years. And, you know, I think in our program history, we've had four. So um, we're moving in there. We're excited for what we, we got going on, the competitiveness and workouts and and what's what's happening. Yeah, I guess concerned was the wrong word. I just meant that that team's going to be a problem once again. They're going to be really good. They're going to be really good. I, I would, I, I'll be honest, I would not schedule them if I didn't have to. And not- <laughs> They they or they will pick you apart, and they're going to be old and veteran. And you know the thing with their team is all those guys that are seniors, other than Cruckwick and Williamson, they're all transfers. So they're not going on their fifth year; they're all going on their sixth year. I mean, almost everybody they play except three guys: Marquise Kennedy, Cam Cruckwick, and uh, Lucas Williamson are all transfers. So it's not like they're coming back for their fifth year; they'd be coming back for their sixth year, and. You know, that they would be a problem team for anybody to play. Yeah, unfortunately for them, they got bounced in the Sweet 16. But great story for Oregon State. Uh, Wayne Tinkle's done a fantastic job, as you mentioned, Luke. Uh, and they will live to see another day. That that yeah. team, hey, that's another team that you guys uh, coached against a few years ago. We did. It was, uh, was it five years ago? And uh, they were really good. They had... Uh, Gary Payton Jr., I think, was on the yeah. team. Uh, they were really talented. They, they were a 10th seed in the tournament that year, and we beat them at their place. Uh, it was closer than what the game was. Um, I just remember Shane Hammock was having – he was having a lot of fun dunking that game. And uh, <laughs> it was it was a good game. Uh, we played really good defense that game, and and they were a talented team. And uh, so that, that, was, that was exciting. It was good seeing that team. And, uh, and, and they're good, good coaches and good guys, and I know they've been – progressing upward all season long. So seeing them have success is, is always good to see. Elsewhere in the Midwest region. So Oregon State's going to, they're going to be facing Houston. Now Houston survived that scare against Rutgers. Uh, that was a close one. They were down 10 with only a few minutes left and they came back. They had a very uh, reassuring victory, I would say, over Syracuse. That Syracuse team, was clicking on all cylinders. They were playing some great basketball. I think Houston is interesting. So they won that game 62-46. Houston mm-hmm. was one of those teams that looked great up until that Wichita State game. And then they kind of – it seemed like their foot was slipping off the gas pedal a little bit. They weren't overly impressive towards the end of the season. But it looks like after that um, that Houston, uh, the Rutgers game, really gave them a kick in the rear that they needed. And we're really starting to see them peak now at the right time. Well, I, you know, it, you're playing teams over and over. They get to know your tendencies. You get to know them. You overthink some stuff. Um, so I, I think at the end of conference season, it's hard for anybody to blow anybody out. It's hard. I mean, it's 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 hard to. Um, 
And we, I mean, we've witnessed it. Um, and we, we've been always progressing pretty good by the end of the year here. And um, it's just, it's, it's hard to. And so, and Wichita State's really good. So it, I, I wouldn't say Houston was, I, I think it's just, they need to get to playing somebody other than their league play. Yeah. And I watched them, you know, I, I didn't watch them a ton in the regular season. I watched them play Memphis twice. Um, yeah. You know, Memphis defends as well as anybody other than Loyola. I think they're one and two. So I always like watching the top um, defensive teams in the league. So see what we can do here. And Houston really defends. And so uh, they play, I mean, analytically, the third best team in the country. I mean, they do everything right behind Gonzaga and Baylor. I mean, so analytically, they win basketball games, and you're seeing that in the tournament. And they really defend, and that's what they did to Syracuse is they defended them. And at the end of the day, they end up, you know, winning the game pretty handily. And um, But they're they're really good. Yeah, that was uh, – so it's going to be real interesting now with Oregon State and Houston. Do you have a pick for this game, Coach? <laughs> uh, I, I'll tell you this. I, I don't have a pick. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to pick. Um, <laughs> and I'm never, I wouldn't be good enough to listen to pick, okay? So um, – <laughs> So I'm not. I'm not, Let's just. I'm not going to pick any games, but I, I do think it'll be a competitive game, and I, I like a lot of the things that both teams are playing right now. Um, and we'll just see. You know, see which you know which team uh, wins out. But now I'm not a very good guy at picking games. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that. I mean, I love Houston in this game, but I've been picking against the Beavers every single round of this tournament, and it feels like they're just going to keep. <laughs> keep this going so i think that's going to be i think that'll be a really good game and what's so interesting coach is that for much of this season and correct me if i'm wrong if you felt the same way but it really felt like for the first 85 percent of the season we're looking at gonzaga michigan and baylor it looked like there was a a significant gap between those three teams and everybody else it looked like they were the very best this year and then we did see baylor eventually got to lose one and they got that loss out of their system. Then they lost again in the big 12 tournament. Michigan started to crater a little bit. They had that embarrassing loss to Illinois and they lost livers. I think the story right now is that Michigan is re-entering back into that echelon of, I really love all three of these one seeds to tell the truth. I think they both have been, I mean, all three of them, I think have been pretty dominant this year. Without that, but um, and, and Michigan and Baylor both had COVID. Mm, so they yeah. shut down, and, and and you don't you don't come out of COVID where you have multiple players like we had twice. You know, right before the season we had one, right before conference season. It, it's it, there's not being on the court, you get rusty. Even the players that don't attract COVID, and then the ones that do, some of them don't have any effect. And other ones, it takes it takes two three weeks just to to get their wind. You just don't know how it reflects. And you got to be cautious, and you got to be you just got to be do the right thing with that. So. Um, you know, they those three teams were the best three teams. And so um I, I think that's that's proving out now. And I think Houston's all year's been up there with them. Um and so I you know, you got all four of those teams still rolling. And uh I think that's you know, because they're getting healthy, they're getting rhythm and they're getting back to where they where they uh they've been most of the year. Yeah, and I really felt like if Michigan could just survive that first weekend, that I knew that LSU game was going to be tough. It was. It was a really good test for them. Mm-hmm. But I knew that if they could just get a couple wins under their belt, they could get back to get their momentum going, similar to how they did it and got to the championship game a few years ago, just survive in advance, win some games. They really 
looked impressive against Florida State yesterday. And we were hearing all week, I mean, Michigan kind of by by losing livers and losing some of these games down the stretch, the shine was off of them a little bit. I was hearing a lot of, oh, Michigan, uh, they're they're done. Uh, they looked super impressive yesterday. They did. They really defended well. Um, you know, the, the big the big uh, freshman they got inside is just massive, uh, really moves his feet well, protects the rim, and then and scoring the other end, really rebounds the well, ball well. And, and, you know, it's all about playing together, playing as a team, and they do a great job at it. And uh, they have all year. And so – uh, and they were in. They didn't have any love, you know, big time love at the beginning of the year. But they've they certainly owned everything that people were saying about them. Yeah. So Michigan moves on. They win that game, seventy six fifty eight. We had also yesterday my favorite game of the tournament, that UCLA Alabama game. Oh, that was a fantastic game. Was that was that the best one you've seen this year in terms of the tournament? Oh boy, there's been so many. Um, yeah. You know what? It was really good. The part about it that I did not like that much is it, you always feel for guys that I know for a fact that the Alabama players are in the gym every single day working on free throws. And I know our guys are. I know every – and and 80% free throw shooters going over for 2 into the game. And, going, you know, that, that part of it, I'd rather have been a little cleaner at the free throw line because it's not like they can't shoot free throws. It's just – you know, the ball just wasn't going in for him. So as a coach, you feel for, you know, for a team when that happens. But then as a as a fan, I mean, they're going back and forth. You know, one team goes on a run. The other team goes on a run. They're both playing extremely hard. They're playing a very uh, fast pace, but they're still playing great defense. So the score is not really that high because of how well, well both teams are playing defensively and how, uh, how smart both teams are playing offensively. So – I can't think of one off the top of my head of a better game in the tournament, but there's been so many this year. So, uh, but that was a good one. I don't know if you've ever crossed paths with Mick Cronin, but I was really happy for him to get that win. Take UCLA to the elite eight a uh, place. It hasn't been in over a decade. Uh, and I, when I was growing up, Luke, uh, UCLA had those teams for a few years. They went three straight final fours. Mm-hmm. Wasn't, really that long ago but it does feel like it's been quite a while for UCLA so great story for the Bruins to get back great story for Mick Cronin when he had those teams at Cincinnati it just felt like they were so close they had that game a couple years ago against Nevada where they were up big in the second half and they blew that one then the next year against Iowa they were up maybe 10 or 15 in the second half and they blew that one so for him to uh I was really, I, I should say, I was very happy for him that UCLA didn't end up blowing that game in overtime after uh, Reese hit that big time three because there was a lot of talk about do you foul or do you not foul in that case. Yeah, no, it's always the debate. And there's, there's data showing that you should do either one. So it's it's whatever, the, you know, uh, whatever you feel good about. And, you know, once again, I, you know, I'm a big math guy, as we already talked about. And Mick Cronin's defenses have been analytically top 20 for so long, you know, and, and I think he's just an amazing coach. And I, I, I do know him and his staff a little bit. Um, and uh, I've followed him for a long time and, and watched how his teams defend. And, and he just, he's a great coach. And, I, you know, you're, you're always, but there's always two sides to every game. And when you're a coach, you, I think you feel them all the time. I'm, you know, I'm happy for him, but, 
And I think the Alabama guys are great guys too. So a little sad for them, but yeah, I think both staffs and and what they do and the players they got really showed how the character of of both of them. So yeah, that was a good way to put it. I didn't want to see either team lose that game because no, you're going to see either the criticism with Cronin at that if they had because uh, Reese hit that three and if they lost that game in overtime. And then what we end up seeing with Alabama with the free throws and everything. And NATO, it's just such a fantastic team. It's a fantastic job with that team. Alabama basketball, they won a conference title for the first time in 20 years. Uh, gr- another great story. There were a lot of great stories this year. No, it was. And, and you know, that's the beauty of, of whatever, you know, just playing the season. You know, just just getting the season in and, and seeing what and, – and, and some people had less stoppages and they had – more veteran teams, and they could they could do more things, and and other people had to overcome, which is, is you know holy week. I mean, what, what awesome! It's like it's that's what this whole season's been. And just because you don't finish as high as you want or something, well, did you did, did did you improve in areas? Did you get through it? Did you? I mean, it's all great stories. Oh, absolutely. So let's see what else do we have here. Uh, we go back to Saturday. Baylor, uh, Villanova gave them a good run for their money in the first half. Baylor came out on top 62-51. you have any thoughts on that game, Luke? Well, I can tell you I was cheering for one team over the other one. So. <laughs> uh, and I'm very happy on who won. It has nothing to do with Villanova, but uh, Baylor's got my – I'm yelling hard for Baylor whenever they're playing. Um, the only reason I wouldn't is if for some reason we met them in the tournament and that would be the only reason that I wouldn't be cheering hard for Baylor. So uh, I was a little nervous that first half, but you could see that Baylor was – they're getting back to who they are of really guarding the guarding and playing free and, and having fun, and and they're getting healthier now. They're getting uh, in shape, and you, you could see it the whole half, but you're like, oh, no, they're just not making any shots. And then the second half, they said, we don't need to make shots. We're just not going to let Villanova score. And Villanova is one of the hardest teams to stop because they have amazing spacing on offense. And uh, so I was really, really happy because uh, there's, yeah, I, I will pick a, a, a favorite in that one every time. So <laughs> 62-51 was the final on that game. You are correct. I, Baylor is really, it seems like they're just getting better in each game. I mean, Wisconsin gave them a pretty good test. Villanova gave them a pretty good test. They're battle-tested. Arkansas is going – I think that's going to be a really great game. One of the keys, I think, in that Arkansas-Baylor game for Arkansas, they cannot afford to get down as they've been getting down a lot because that was on uh, Saturday. We'll talk a little more about that in a second. They were down 10, 12 points to Oral Roberts, and there's a difference between – with all due respect to Oral Roberts, there's a difference between being down double digits to Oral Roberts and being down to Baylor. Uh, Arkansas, that was their 10th win this season where they're down double digits. They came back and won. I don't think they're going to be able to come back if they're down big against Baylor, because I think Baylor can close out that game much better than any other team they've seen this year. You know, Jack, I I don't know, Um, but I know I'll be cheering for Baylor and (laughs) and March Madness is called March Madness for a reason. Uh, You know, I go back to the Arkansas or Roberts, you know, much like myself, Oral Roberts is led by Scott Drew assistant. And Paul Mills is an amazing guy, um, amazing Christian, um, does so many good things. And I was so happy for the run. And, and they, man, they, they played well that game. And I, you know, they were, they were going on all cylinders. 
and they make a lot of threes and all of a sudden it dried up last six minutes. They, they were getting good, the shots they shoot and they shoot a lot. Um, and they just, it just, it wasn't falling and they kept fighting. It was, it was really awesome to see. And I was, I was happy for coach Mills and, and Oral Roberts and, and until he got there, you know, uh, my history, I, I'm not happy for Oral Roberts very often because they used to be one of our rivals, but, uh, coach Mills changed that. So I'm, I'm cheering for that team, uh, now like, uh, in past years. So <laughs> Oral Roberts was only the second 15 seed to get to the sweet 16. Had they won that game, they would have been the first to ever get to the Elite Eight. So they he drew up a heck of a play there at the end. That was an awesome sequence. They got a great look from their best player, Ace Miss, uh, which I think that's how you say his name. I feel like people were really kind of changing the pronunciation and even the spelling of his name over the last week or so. Uh, no. it's, it's spelled Ape Miss, pronounced Ace Miss, I believe, but... He had such a clean look. I thought it was going in when he pulled it. I, I agreed with you. I thought they did a great job, and they executed it. Um, it's a it's a it's a play that a lot of coaches run. We run it uh, to get a shot at the end. And but you you have the nation's leading scorer. He's able to catch the ball, take three dribbles, and get a, an open three. Amazing. Um, now I, I don't know how. To be honest, I don't know how he was able to catch the ball in the first place and him be able to get the shot because he is their best you know scorer. Um, yeah. So to get that, you have to execute well, and uh, they did, and and I thought it was going into. <laughs> it sure looked like it. So heartbreaker for Earl Roberts, but they got nothing to uh, hang their hats on. That was just an awesome showing from them. They lost that game, seventy-two seventy. Arkansas moves on to see another day. Arkansas, a great story this year too. No, they are. I mean, we played them last year. Uh, once again, lost by two. At you know, at their place, next uh, it was a neutral site in Arkansas with every seat filled with Arkansas fans. So uh, with SEC refs, so I don't think it was really a neutral site, but it was an awesome atmosphere, a great game, and it went down to the wire, and it was a great experience for our guys last year. All right, and then we've got over in the West region, not didn't have too much to discuss with Gonzaga and Creighton. It was pretty much went the way that most of us thought it would play out. Gonzaga just looks – I mean, they look fantastic. No, without a doubt. They they play so simple. They have – you know, they have a an NBA point guard. They have one of the best shooter in college basketball. They have great bigs. I mean, they, they play hard. They play together, and they score the basketball. And they, they defend well, too, but they really score, and it's it's hard to stop them. And so, uh, now they, they were uh, – and Creighton can really guard, and Creighton can actually really score the ball. I mean, they're 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 an amazing offensive team. I know they had that game against Georgetown in their conference where they didn't hit any shots, but on the whole of the season, they've been a great offensive team. And the way Gonzaga just played against them, he just shows, you know, how good they are and how veteran they are with you know their guys choosing to stay and 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 come back and work together. And it's um, it's been good. They're really good. They're really dang good. They're going to have an interesting challenge with these USC. I think that should actually be a fun game. I like all these matchups in the next round. USC, uh, they bested Oregon. That was the third time they played each other this year. I think they may have split. If Did they split? Do you know if they split? I don't know, Jeff. <laughs> I'll be honest. So, I do um, know Oregon Oregon at least beat them once. They may have beaten them twice. Uh, it's hard to beat a team three times if that was the case, if they were up. They won both regular season games. Nevertheless, uh, 
great showing from the Pac-12 in this tournament. You have three elite eight teams out of the Pac-12. A lot of people didn't really – you got to stay up late in order to watch these Pac-12 games, and they've been kind of off the radars of a lot of folks. But really a, a great showing. You got USC, UCLA, and Oregon State. Without a doubt. And, you know, we, we don't know how good any conference was yeah. um, because we only played 27 games. And the big conferences played 20 and 22 games in their conference. So there's no there's no out-of-conference games played. And so, you know, we only play 18 conference games, so we play more. And, you know, we weren't the same team as we're going to be in February. So you just don't, you know, from that perspective. So if the Pac-12 – and most of the Pac-12s, they, due to COVID, didn't play hardly any non-conference games. And so you just don't know. They're, you just don't – I mean, their analytics coming in the season – pre-ranked the conferences so you just don't know who's good because they're playing in conference do we know the bottom teams in their conference so good or bad or what you know you just don't know and so um they've they've played well in the tournament though so you know that and really well and and they've defended and UCLA I, I haven't seen a team with that the length that um Southern California had and how they use that length to make every shot so difficult for Oregon and uh, all the games they've played. It's just, they're, uh, they're good. So they are another team that is peaking at the right time. Mm -hmm. And they're, I think they're going to give Gonzaga a pretty good challenge here. They blew out. They blew out Kansas by 34 points. That was shocking. That was unbelievable. They beat Oregon 82 68 last night. I mean, the Trojans, I feel like there's a little bit of a Trojans bandwagon. I feel like I know a lot of people who are kind of hopping down the bandwagon rooting for that team. Well, they have the, I think, projected number one, two, or three pick in the draft. I don't yeah. know. I'm not a big uh, – I I am a, I do follow the NBA draft quite a bit and, and know a lot of uh, personnel that I can talk to and stuff like that. I know the younger Mobley boys is really good. Evan, I believe. Evan? Yeah. Uh, he, he's tremendous and being at seven foot and doing all the things that he can do. And, you know, he, it's just his length is amazing. His, his, his older brother's length is amazing. And so you just don't get anything easy around the basket. And that really is the name of the game, man. You don't give up layups. Well, you, every shot's from eight feet and out, and then you have length to contest threes. Um, if you do that, some, sometimes you can embarrass somebody pretty well. And that, that length for them was tremendous. I'm excited to see that Drew Timmy matchup against him. Yeah, no, and you know what? The thing that Gonzaga does well is they they get up and down the court so quick and so physical that, and then they can hit. I mean, they got. I mean, as good a three point shooter as I've I've seen in college, and I've seen some good ones right here at Valpo, and and <laughs> right. he is tremendous. I mean, he is tremendous. And then now they also they also have a top three pick at, at on their team too. So you know you got two guys going against each other in the lead eight. They're both, according to most mock drafts, most NBA personnel are going to be uh, one of the, two of the top three picks in the draft. So it's going to be, um, it's going to be a good matchup. Yeah. And do you have any thoughts on this Michigan UCLA matchup? What would UCLA have to do in order to get past Michigan? You know, they do such a good job swarming the ball. They have to continue to do that, but, and still get out of the Michigan has some really good shooters, so get out on that. But I think they their guard, uh, the big fella Hunter, and and not let him get as many easy baskets because they're so good at it. But and the, and then UCLA also does a great job causing turnovers. So 
if, if they can cause a high turnover rate against Michigan and Michigan does not turn the ball over very much, if they can do that, then I think that will be the, 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 the stat in the game. But once you get to this stage, the seeding and all that, every team UCLA has won one more than everybody else. But when you get to this point, they've all won three games in March Madness. And so they're, they're all good. So they all know how to win. They all know how to win now. So um, we'll see who we'll see how the game goes. It's yeah, exciting. the only the only way that it would be different is if Oregon had won that USC game because they were able to advance. Unfortunately, yeah. with that whole thing that happened with VCU. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different year. <laughs> yeah. So, Coach, uh, we've previewed every game. We recapped all the games from this past weekend. Do you have any other thoughts on just what we saw over the past weekend and games coming up this week? No, I just know last year we weren't playing games at all. So. Um, as a fan, as a coach, as, as just anybody, I'm, I'm excited we're playing games and I'm excited to see the joy, uh, in the players and just to get to play, uh, and, and, and the level of competition has been great. I know I felt that every day and it has been a tough year for everybody. And just to be able to see something that you can release and be, go be a fan, go be excited for something, go, you know, hang out and, and watch a game with a, a friend and, and and get back to some normalcy. It, it was awesome. And I, that's what I got out of it. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed sitting down with my wife and my kids. And, you know, kids don't watch very long, but, you know, <laughs> just watch some games and then, you know, do those things. And, you know, much rather than be playing in them. But in the, in the whole thing, it's it's pretty awesome that we're playing. So that's that's pretty much my thought on it. Who do the kids like to root for if they're watching for a little bit? Uh, they, if you got gold or in your uniform, you think I'm playing. Uh, Valpo's playing, so there's room for them. And I'm like, this thing, I'm sitting right here. Valpo's not playing. <laughs> I'm like, you're right, you're right. So they they know who, uh, you know, they know who uh, where where people that they know. And so we have a, a strong. If if I personally know somebody and they're good friends or I've worked with them, and they're on the other team, that 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 takes away all loyalties and everything like that. I've I've never understood like, well, now I've always been a so-and-so fan. So I got to go against you this time, coach. I'm like, you know, anybody on the other team, like you really know, can you call a coach on their team and say, Hey, what's up? But we're talking on the phone right now. Why would you never, ever go against, you know, my team, you know? And so we, we're going for Gonzaga because uh, coach Roger Powell's over there and we're going for Baylor because we know those guys really well. So, that's all I got. And so that's who they're here for. They know that they'll see Scott Drew at some point. They'll see Roger at some point. And uh, when 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 Scott's playing, they see Homer in the stands like, hey, coach, hey, dad, there's there's coach or, you know, Bryce or something. They're like, hey, there's Bryce on TV or, so, you know, so we they know who are family friends and we cheer for them. So um, at least Bartholomew, especially Christine, she just she just has fun. So that's really funny. I'm glad you mentioned that because I definitely have been kind of making that shift now as I get into become an adult and I know some more people across the sport. In 2017, I was the most torn over any sporting event I've ever watched was Northwestern versus Vanderbilt in round one. We're watching our friends Bryce and, and Roger coaching over there. Yeah. And I'm rooting for them because I had just covered them at Valpo the year before. I wanted them to win so bad. And then meanwhile, Northwestern is, other than Valpo, they're my team. I mean, they're my hometown team right here. Yep. And I just 
was so confused that whole game. I didn't know who I wanted to win because it was their first time in the tournament. I just, yeah, I was struggling with that one. But at the same time, I was also happy and sad with the outcome. Yeah, see, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't ever struggle with that, really. <laughs> if I worked with somebody and they're in the tournament or they're playing a game, I'm cheering for them. I mean, even if they're at a school, even if for some reason they were, they were playing or coaching the New York Yankees and they're playing the White Sox, I'm going to go for my guys. So my favorite NBA teams have been the Dallas Mavericks, the 76ers. I mean, places where, you know, the Phoenix Suns. You know, if if, if I have a – and those coaches out there, I love the New Orleans Pelicans. They're my team now. For the simple – Rex Walter was really good friends as the assistant there. So that that's how I roll. And then, you know, I got my other – my favorite team that I've always had, and I never changed my favorite teams. I'm just as loyal as it comes on that. But – if I got a friend or a family member or somebody that I personally worked with or been around a lot, I want I want them to win, you know. So that's just the that's the way it is. Did you grow up a Tennessee Vols fan? You know what? I didn't. Um, I grew up a Notre Dame a Fighting Irish fan, a Valpo fan. My mom graduated from Valpo, and so uh, and being in West Tennessee, I like Memphis and Vanderbilt a little bit. They were a little closer to me. Um, now everybody I knew was a Vols fan. I mean, when you, in Tennessee, you, you go anywhere, it's like a construction site cause there's so much orange. And so, um, I was not a huge Tennessee fan, but all my friends were. And so maybe I was just doing something different, but no, I was never a huge, uh, Tennessee football fan. Cause in Tennessee footballs, uh, you talk about Tennessee football nonstop. So uh, that's a good <laughs> question. I'm more of a fan now cause I'm not there to be honest with you. <laughs> That makes sense. Well, this feels like a logical point to shift over and talk about your favorite baseball team. So I got my AL Central preview. It's going to drop tomorrow. I'm really excited about that. And at the end of it, we also previewed uh, who we got winning the World Series, our awards picks. I'm really high on this White Sox team this year, Luke. Yeah, I'll pick in baseball. And so I got the White Sox winning the Central uh, the playoffs and get and sweeping everybody and then sweeping the World Series. That's what I got. <laughs> I don't think anybody might not score a run against them uh, in the playoffs and World Series. So very biased fan. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I remember when we moved up here from Tennessee, I was a White Sox fan in Tennessee. And in Tennessee, you can kind of like the White Sox and Cubs, both of them, same time. Yeah. Um, and I didn't understand how you couldn't up here. I mean, like two different leagues at that point, there wasn't even interleague play. Like, if they both win, then, you know, you just pick who you want to win the, in the World Series. That'd be pretty cool. Um, but I found out quickly that, you know, it's it's like there's a heated rivalry on two teams that never even play. It didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, but it's I, real I, weird. I think I think the one point that it was kind of at the tipping point, at least in my lifetime, was the, around the mid-2000s when you had Paul Konerko and Derek Lee and these guys who were like the rah-rah veteran leaders. And you got Ozzie Guillen who was stirring the pot. No, I feel yeah. like that was the time that it was very hostile and you had the whole Michael Barrett and AJ Pruszynski uh, yeah. situation. Yeah, that was uh Why the win was, the World Series? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Cubs yeah. were good too around then. Both teams were pretty good and they were trying to turn the corner. Um, that felt like the pinnacle of the rivalry. And I think since then – the teams haven't really been good at the same time, and they haven't had the type of guys who, like a Przinsky or a Barrett or a Guillen or uh, even a Derek Lee, that are going to kind of stir the pot. That's what I would I, – I think is 
I don't think that you should dislike either team if you're a fan of a Chicago team. Like you should like you have no problem rooting for all Chicago teams. It's that seems weird to me. But at the same time, I would love to see those games kind of ratchet up in intensity and have that uh, crosstown cup once again being super exciting. Well, it's kind of like uh, you know, it, it, I got an older brother and I would want him to win everything. Uh, but if I, I, I accept against me. You know, and I'm going to beat him, you know, so yeah. I think there's a little bit of that, um, you know, but I moved up here and, and I chose, I mean, I, already, I was more of a White Sox fan anyway. It was so much easier to get to games, so much easier to watch games. The White Sox were really good and it just, it drove it in uh, strong that how much I, I enjoy the White Sox. And my dad's a huge White Sox fan. So, um, you know, we could talk about the games and do that. So it was awesome. So uh, I mean, I'm excited for, uh, I'm excited for this year. It's exciting team. Um, you know, we got power and speed at a lot of spots. Um, you know, it's disappointing that Eloy uh, got injured the other other day. I'm trying to make a tough play, and he should. And I love I love how he plays because he tries to make those plays, and that's how the whole White Sox team is. Um, I think they go all out all the time. I think their pitching is taking a huge step in the right direction this off season. If if you can ever look at off seasons and think it is, and then they you know the good pictures were young guys. And they're getting a little older. And so I'm thinking some of those young guys uh, that we got in all those trades, you know, when we weren't very good and uh, some of the draft picks, I'm, I'm hoping that they really pan out this year. And we have a, a, you know, a deep pitching staff. And I know the bullpen seems really deep. So um, I am excited. I had my fantasy baseball draft on Saturday. And right. with one of my last picks, I took Michael Kopech. I couldn't believe he was just sitting there. If yeah. Kopech can come back healthy and look the way he did a couple years ago when he came up, he yeah. was so fantastic and electric. I really think that could be like the the final piece to potentially a, a championship puzzle for the Sox. I think they got to figure out the fifth starter because they just optioned Ronaldo Lopez, who really struggled last year uh, and had struggled over the last few years. They're mm-hmm. counting on Carlos Rodon to fill that hole uh, early in the season. He's had his struggles. If Kopech can come up and I mean, Kopech could be a guy who ends up starting a playoff game for you. If he's, if he's able to reach that potential that we were thinking that he would, he still can. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with that. And then don't forget, uh, is it uh, Garrett Crotchet? Is that what had Crochet. Uh, Crochet, yeah. Like yeah. these dudes are young, elite arms that can sling it and at, at rates that are, you know, and mind boggling that there's so many, there's guys, multiple guys on one team that can throw it over 100 miles an hour. And it's like that in a lot of baseball teams now. Um, and he got, but I'll, Rodan's been great in the in spring training. Like he has been dominant. Like he's, he's hitting his points. He's doing, I think he's got a little extra motivation to him. And so, I feel good about him. You know, when they, they picked him up or brought him back, um, you know, that was, you know, wondering if that was a, cause he's like, he's been up and down a little bit, but he was a, I think it was a three third pick in the draft at one point too. And so you got him and then, and cease is like, he's throwing more strikes than balls now. So if he can continue to hit the strike zone at the rate he has in spring training, um, I really like how the, the pool, uh, you know, the, the pitching staff is coming together um, I think Liam H- uh, Hendricks at the end of it is just a workhorse winner. Uh, seems like a great teammate. And I think Lance Lynn, the amount of innings he can obtain and, and be good in is huge. 
Uh, and then you got our two, our two, uh, two head horse that pitched phenomenally last year. Um, uh, it, it's, it's exciting. And you know, if the, if, if the starters can take up the innings, like they, you think they can, then they, you know, crochet and, and, uh, Kopech, if they, one of them could be a six starter every once in a while. And it really, I, I could see great things with the pitching staff. And it's really, it's really exciting. So I had a fantasy baseball draft with, with a bunch of math professors, to be honest, and math guys that I've been in forever because my best friend's brother's in it. And so we did this draft. And uh, the guy I was there with, I, I, I missed out. I was, I was watching NCAA basketball, and I missed out on the start of it. And, oh. I, you know, I'm going I'm to have multiple White Sox on my team just because I like cheering for my guys. And, I, and luckily I got traded. I, I got a really good shortstop, and, but it wasn't Tim Anderson – and luckily, someone offered me that trade after the, so I could get Tim Anderson on my team. So I, I was excited about that. I picked up Dylan Cease in about the last round, and I didn't know how he was sitting there. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm getting him." So, um, so he's he's my uh, dark horse pitcher. But when you auto pick the first few rounds, it's like they always give you the good pitchers because no one else is. So my staff is really good on my uh, my fantasy baseball team. So good stuff. Yeah, I typically my strategy. I can say it now that I've had my draft and no one's going to use my cheat sheet and use it against me. But (laughs) I like I actually go all in on the position players at the start of the draft because those guys are going to play every day. Mm -hmm. And the pitcher, sometimes you get you get a guy and then he has to have Tommy John. They get injured. Mm -hmm. It seems easier for me to find pitchers on the waiver wire to plug in rather than trying to replace a guy like Nolan Arenado, who I could draft in like the third round or the fourth round. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And in baseball, there's, there's just so many. Uh, you just don't know what's going to happen week to week, you know, um, with uh, weird injuries and just the way it is, the way the sport is. And and so it's uh, that what, that's what being a fan of a team, I, I don't know how you could really be a fan of more than one team, to be honest, because there's so many things going on in a major league season um, that, you know, that I, I can't tell you what's going on with anybody but the White Sox. So if we, if we, if you flip this to the Oakland A's, um, and I say it because you got your helmet up there, <laughs> I can help you. I, I don't know if I can name one player on the Oakland A's except Ian <laughs> Hendricks that's at the White Sox now. So I, other than that, I don't know. So I can, we can talk about White Sox. So <laughs> Yeah, so for those who are listening to the audio feed, Coach Gore is referring to a batting helmet that I have up here with uh, it's an Oakland A's one. I got that at like a fair when I was like 10 years old or something. And I thought I, I collect, uh, I used to collect baseball caps and I always thought yeah. theirs was a really cool one. No, I, I, it's great. I mean, I got, it's awesome. Um, <laughs> I only have a white Sox one up there. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I actually have some cub stuff too. So um, yeah. So it's cool. All right. So who do you think is going to be the breakout star for the Sox this year? If you had to pick one guy and you can't say, you cannot say Tim Anderson or Jose Bray because Anderson won a batting title. Bray won MVP. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I don't think you can pick Lewis Roberts because he's 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 already broken out too. Um, yeah, to be honest with you, he's amazing. I mean, he's he's so fun to watch. Boy, can he catch a fly ball? I mean, oh, you yeah. don't need a last right fielder with him. Like he can catch everything. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm excited um, for the second baseman. Uh, what's what's my guy's name? Uh, Nick Madrigal. Yeah, Nick Magical. I think he's an old school baseball player. Uh, he hits the ball every time he's up. Uh, he doesn't strike out, and the ball finds holes um, at a high rate. So I'm excited to see what he can do for a whole season. 
And if, you know, I, I hope he can get up to be the number two hitter. And because I think he's an old school number two hitter. And so I, I, I would hope that he could get there. And then Andrew Vaughn, I think you got to be excited about him and see what he's at. He hadn't had any major league at bats yet, but um, I picked him up in the last round too. Those are my last two picks that I got that, you know, and Andrew Vaughn's going to be going to left field now because of Eloy going down. So um, I'm, I'm interested to see how he, he carries himself and how if he can give us a little bit more power. Um, I'm excited about eating on the team. He wouldn't be a breakup oh, yeah. because, you know, we got to get a left-handed bat. We got to be good at that side of the, of the, of the base, uh, the plate too. Um, but I would go with Madrigal and Vaughn. I, I, if, if those two can play like they're in their fourth or fifth year and be, you know, productive, there's not any holes in the lineup. Um, and then I, I think uh, Nick Collins, is it Nick? The backup Zach Collins. Zach Collins, yeah. I, I, he's really good. And so to have a backup catcher that can also be your DH, and we had a great one last year too. Um, yeah, James McCann. Yeah, he's amazing. Like I was always amazed that he was on our team, and, and like, I was like, this dude should be a starter every day guy, and um, and he was the year before almost for us. And so, uh, but uh, Zach Collins, I'm excited for what he can because he might be the DH um, if if Andrew Vaughn's out in left field. So um, I think there's a it's just a tough lineup to get through because when they hit it, they hit it really hard, and when they run. They run really fast, and they do it with a big smile on their face and having a lot of fun. So, to me, that's that's how – I mean, just a bunch of guys that are just having fun playing baseball and playing the right way. Uh, so, uh, excited about all of them. And if I had to buy a jersey now, which I, I've got to the point where you, you only buy jerseys of retired players. Yeah. Because, I mean, I just – I'm not, I'm not going to – I want guys on my team. But if I could buy a jersey right now – Lewis Roberts has got to be the guy you buy a jersey of. Like this dude is a. I, I heard somebody say, Frank Thomas say he's the first six tool athlete, uh, baseball player because that dude he's just so fun to watch. So I'm What's always six tool. I don't even know. I just know that Frank <laughs> Thomas said it, and he was my favorite player growing up. So um, I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> I think that uh, no, it's interesting you brought that up about jerseys. Is it does it feel weird to wear a jersey of someone that's much younger than you because I was starting to think, you know, when I watch, when I watch sports, it's like, I, I'm getting to that point where I'm older than some of these guys. I'm 26. And it's like, yeah, they, there's, it feels something a little odd about that. Huh? Well, you know, uh, in my closet, it's pretty much 95% Valpo. And so I have very few jerseys I ever even wear. And so the ones I do have, I got 20 years ago. <laughs> and so they're not, I'm not, uh, I'm not older than them. So, um, I, I agree with you on that though a little bit. It's like, you know, it's, I, and and I don't know. Uh, I, but I like guys that you know are on the team, and I'm not going to switch teams. I'm I'm not going to wear another jersey because if Lewis Roberts ever got traded, I hope that never happens. Um, but you know, I'd rather go get a 35 Frank Thomas and just roll with that. So, um, so that yeah, I guess so. So. Uh, that's, a, that's a good point. You're going to have to hook me up with some of that extra Valpo gear that you got from all over the years. I'm sure I could put that to good use. Well, yeah, it'd be more like uh, – it'd be a little big for you, Jack. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, I'm a, I, you might not be able to tell, but I'm a pretty big dude. So I'm, uh, my clothes are pretty big. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it, it's it's funny. It, it, I get – I've been very fortunate. So um, I like looking at all the brown and gold and – 
and then all the Valpo stuff in my in my closet. So and it's it's good to be putting that on every day to go to work. Yeah, of course it is. So I got my two breakout stars. I'm with you on Madrigal. I think he's going to have a real good year. Reminds me a little bit of Jose Altuve, uh, undersized second baseman who really uh, – he hits the ball hard. He hits for contact. And I think that's an undervalued piece in baseball right now. I think people are so obsessed with power that those guys are becoming even more valuable than they had been 10, 20 years ago. In terms of pitchers, I like uh, – I think either Kopech or Cease, I want to see one of those two guys take a step in that direction. And then the other one that I think will be interesting to watch is some people think Giolito could take that next step and be a Cy Young caliber pitcher. Uh, so you could see just great, great development from this team. That's that's what I'm excited to watch. Uh, boy, I'd love Giolito to take another step. Boy, we'd be rolling. That'd be great. So, um, no, I, I'm excited to watch baseball. Um and, uh, you know, last year I was, you know, with COVID and, and not traveling uh, for recruiting because of NCAA rules, uh, I, in, in a shortened year, um, it made baseball more fun to me. It wasn't like it's a shortened time, so you don't have to be committed for 162 games. Like it's – this is the 60 games we're going to play, and we got the playoffs, and then, you know, the White Sox start rolling a little bit, and we got the Cubs doing well, and so it's like – good energy um so uh it got my juices flowing uh to watch you know the white Sox this year (laughs) well it should be a great year coach gore and before we talk about holy week i got one last college basketball question for you ready for this Yeah, yeah it's been i think it's been real interesting lately we've been seeing players transfer at a higher rate than ever before across the nation uh what do you think is going on with all the transfers um, good question. I would say you have to, you have to, once again, we, as a team for us, um, you know, we weren't allowed to do meetings and I mean, you go to practice, you go to games. There's a lot more scholarships out there right now uh, than there's ever been. And, you know, it, it, hard to build up, um, you know, some of the relationships and do things the same way as we're always done. And, and it's, you know, it's just it's it's unfortunately some of the nature of it. And, you know, I think you got to look at every situation, case, every case. And then as as coaches, as programs, as players, how do you how do you improve on that? Um, and it's it's not where, you know, um, we've had some guys leave. Um, but we're also before this year, in the last three years, we had uh, half as much as the next closest guy in the valley leave transfer. So we had the lowest by twice as much as anybody else. So if you look at that, then, but then, you know, this year we had, we had some guys go and I'm helping them and, and wishing them, my whole staff is and helping them in any way we can to move them, uh, to help them to the next spot. And I hope they're successful. And same thing for, you know, we're looking at guys and, you know, we have a, we, we did, that's just part of it, I think. And um, it's, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily like it as much. Uh, obviously no one does. But in, in a year where students can't build relationships by going out and, and having fun and, you know, we're going out and, and they're spending, Ben Cricky spent over 100 days in isolation. Like, just a, it's just a different year. So, um, and, you know, I, I'm hoping all our guys, and they're, they're still our guys. I hope they do well and find good homes and, and do well there. And I hope we, we keep improving here and keep moving up the standings every year like we've had every year we've been in the Valley. And, and, you know, I think that's the norm across the 
uh, unfortunately for this year, I hope it it slows down. And um, but I think it's kind of like that perfect storm. A lot of things going into it. So, um, you know, that's that's my take on it. And, uh, you know, it's it's hard. But, you know, as 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 Christians, how do we improve? You know, how do we look at these situations and uh, how do we how do we or how are we role models? How are we great followers? I, I think that was uh, at church this week. It was it was really cool that everyone is talking about training leaders, right? I, I'm every day I'm talking to our guys like that and, and my kids and everything, be a leader, be a leader. And uh, our, our, our pastor said, uh, it, it was pretty cool. He, uh, he was like college applications, right? And one of the questions was, are you a leader or you a follower? And the, the applicant put follower, sent it in and said, well, I'm not getting picked. And he got the response from the school that they've been accepted. And in the, in the response letter says with 1,052 leaders coming, we need one follower. So if you think about that is, you know, Jesus, right? I mean, seriously, like we're supposed to follow him and take his lead. And, and he was actually, he wasn't this leader. He was almost, he was a follower of God. And so it's amazing that perspective. And before you can lead, you have to be an amazing follower. And, and even to lead well, you have to follow somewhat. And, you know, I, I view what I do as a very leadership role. I get to, you know, I get to hopefully help a lot of individuals. And in these situations, am, are, or if I might be a leader and a follower at the same time, you know, and, and I think this year we're, we're, it was hard to, for the guys to become followers, you know, be part of something bigger than them. Um, they could see how one guy did this and another guy did this, but then we go on a quarantine, we can't even talk about it. And so, I, you know, that's, I think that's the lessons we all have to learn um, is are we, are we really trying to be great followers while still trying to be what we all want to say, we're a leader, right? Jack, Jack Vita's show is going to be the leader in podcast and, and national media someday, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> so, what we're going for. Yeah, to get there, we got to be great. Uh, got to be a great follower too. So um, I think that was you know part of the this this off season too, and this whole season is um, when you don't get community, it's really hard to learn how to follow and lead and be something bigger than yourself. Amen. That's so true, Coach, and I love what you had to say. And I just want to say, because I know you guys have had a fair amount of criticism just with some of the transfer stuff. It's something that's going on. If you're paying attention to college basketball, it's going on across the nation right now. It's there is such it's such a weird year because all these guys who played this year or did not play, they can come back. They have a free year of eligibility. So mm-hmm. it's going that changes a lot with all these. You have to make room for guys coming in. Some guys are going to look around and say, well, you know what? We got some guys coming in and, uh, you know, I loved it here, but just maybe not the best situation if I want to play a fifth year. This is happening across the nation. I know Paul Oren was just on this show last week. He was working on a story about it. And at the time we spoke last week, he said there were 700 and over 750 guys in the transfer portal at the time. So I just, I, I want to, I want to defend you guys. I feel like uh, some of that, criticism a lot of it has been unfair well you know i it, it's okay that's the beauty of of having fans that are passionate about you i mean it's okay it's okay to like why didn't this happen to this you know 
you know, sometimes, you know, things don't happen the way we want. And so I think that's life. That's life as a fan. That's life as a, a dad. That's life as a husband. And how do you get better? And you don't, you don't cast the things away and you learn from it. And you, you know, I, I think that's just part of it. And I, I know I don't like it all. Like, I don't like everything. I don't like how the, how the makeup is, but, um, you know, I, I really believe it's, it's just opportunities. You know, it's all, every, all these so-called obstacles and stuff. They're just opportunities for everyone to get a little better and be, you know, be better at, at everything. And, you know, I, I, I'm not great at a lot of things, but I am trying to be better at things all the time. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's, and, and, and as, as you can probably say, I've been at Valpo 19 years because loyalty is a thing for me, like I, commitment, loyalty, honesty, and and then always getting back up, no matter how bad it is, and then be positive when it is is something that I think I've been very instilled in my life. Um, you know, I've been married for uh, twenty years, will be twenty years in in a month or uh, yeah, in a month. I do know the date. I I got that. <laughs> um, and at no point did I ever think this was a not a full time lifelong commitment. I was excited for that and. So that's just, that's how I am. And and it's not easy. And, you know, when you don't get to really talk and that's what makes great marriages, like you get a lot of time to really be around and talk and you get to, you know, you know, both sides of the story all the time. Cause it's two people like, well, you got 15 guys, you know, and you, and then you got a staff and everything and you got this year's a free year. And so you get your year eligibility. You don't have to sit out. You don't have to do all these things. There's a reason that in the Valley, there's, in the last four years, the average of transfers is, is 10.4. Well, Valpo's had 10, you know, so it's, and, but we try to be better, you know, and um, once again, I'm, uh, I'm helping and hoping and wishing all the guys that have went to another spot. I wish them all the best and I'll be checking on them and they can call me anytime that they want to talk or need anything. And, you know, I might not agree with all the decisions, but that's the decision they made. And it's going to be an opportunity for someone else. And as a program, we're going to move forward. And so um, that's the way. But I don't mind fans having different opinions. That's the, that's the beauty of being a fan. We can talk about the White Sox and all this stuff and how I have, I'm a fan. That's the beauty of being a fan. So um, I don't mind that at all. Um, and that's I, – I mean, I chose a profession that when I go to watch my kids' game – Everyone knows if I had a bad day on Saturday or not. And all the other parents, I don't even know, you know, half the what they even do, you know, but it's awesome. Right. And we wouldn't be talking if we didn't do it. I wouldn't get to see how your life's progressing if I wasn't, you know, in the position. So I, I don't mind any of that. It's it's not it's it's the beauty of being a fan. Amen. And so you touched on a little bit in terms of what we talked about at church yesterday. Uh, following in order to lead and uh, it's holy week right now this is my favorite holiday is easter every year i love easter i love holy week i love how much we focus on the death and the resurrection the crucifixion of christ and why he had to pay that price for us uh and we are kind of landing on a good week for it this year because not only is it easter but we have these ncaa tournament games and we got opening day on Thursday, but obviously we want to keep Christ at the center of all those things that we love. It is. It's amazing. It's, it, it's really cool that, you know, it, if you're fortunate to be in an area, you can actually get to church now. 
um, and, yeah. and be there. And that's awesome. And if you can't, there's, there's area, area, you know, that you can get online and you do a lot of things, a lot of different ways to, to hear the message. And, you know, once again, it was uh, my kids actually went to Sunday school this week and we usually never have it happen. Like they stay with us because I'm like, I stayed in the pew the whole time. We're going to stay in the pew. And we're going to listen to the message together. And that's what that's what we do. But for that, our kids broke us down this time and we let them go to Sunday school. So I actually got to pay a lot more attention. And it's amazing on Palm Sunday. Jesus comes in to the and he is treated truly with the palms, which means he's the king. He is the man. Like he's everybody. We're so happy you're here. And five short days later, everybody that said he's the man, because he had, because there is, let's say, let's say he had a bad week or whatever, you know, they're all putting him to death. But then three days after that, they realized that he did that for us and he's rising. And that little, that one week, in in a small town in you know in Jerusalem and in that area, think of the impact that that one week, you know, from him being everybody anointing him as a king and awesome to saying he should go be put to death to him dying to rising. So two thousand years later, he is the word that he's the name that everyone knows. Whether you believe right or you believe in him or you don't or you, you whatever, you know his name because of this one week. And isn't that pretty cool? Like, I mean, I said, it's, it's just amazing the power of, of God and Jesus. And and it, it does allow like these these situations that we've been talking about in sports, like think bigger, you know, think better. Yeah, think how do we learn from this? Because, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I would never be a judgmental person. I think that to me, that's, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's in the 10 commandments is I shall not be judgmental of others. Um, but if I had an 11th commandment, <laughs> I think it should be that I shall not be judgmental of others. Cause that's, you want to help others. You want to be there for them. But it's, if, if you're casting because someone comes from a different area or they think a different way, or they don't believe in Jesus, then, then you're not doing what Jesus did. So, Amen. You know, that's, that's me is like, and I, I'm not that way, you know, and I, and people rub me the wrong way, just like, just like you and just like everybody. And at the end of the day, can I remove myself? And sometimes it's very hard. Can I remove myself? And like, I'm not going to judge him for it. I might not agree with anything he's talking about. Well, that might not be the way I look, but it's not my place to judge. Luckily, you know, we, we as followers of, of Jesus and God, we, we know that someone else is going to do that for us. And can we influence them in a positive way? Can we make life just, you know, uplifting and, and make them and, and, and put a positive on, on life. Like, you know, I just, I just think that's what we're called to do. I think that's the beauty of, of this week of the beauty of Jesus coming on of God, putting his son on earth and, and dying for our sins that we know we have faith that believing in him is not all we need to do. We got to believe in him and truly Try to seek him every day. You know, um, why are we afraid of anything then? Why are we fear? Why are we fearful? Because he, he's a, he take away fear, and so I try. That's so why I try to I try to try to live my life the best I can. Now I'm scared. Of, I'm scared of some too, but um, it's just and that's it's just a beauty. I try, I try to teach that to my kids more than anything. I try to like, 
and it's probably annoying to them. And you can talk to my wife at some point, but like we don't get embarrassed. Like I, I told my kids the other day, like uh, your last name is Gore. And unfortunately by being your last name of Gore and you following God, embarrassment's not something that should ever, cause just be who you are like, and be a positive alpha. So don't be embarrassed and then don't have fear in life. You know, it's going to naturally come in, but don't be afraid because God came before us. And so that's, you know, that's, that's the beauty of, of believing in Jesus. And, uh, and I'm thankful for every day for it. I'm thankful my wife's always next to me and she's, trust me, she's much better than me. Um, she's a much better follower of Jesus and she makes me better every day. Um, and I wouldn't be where I'm at today without her. So I need her to help me and not, we don't, not everybody has that. And if you don't, you still got Jesus and you got a friend at church and you got a, a pastor or you got, you know, and, and it doesn't mean they have to be the same as you. Me and my wife are a lot different. And, you know, I think that's a lot of people just want everybody just like them around them. Yeah. That's not, that's not what Jesus, Jesus went where no one was like him. And he, he took, he took disciples that none of them had the same background and brought them together. And then they went in areas that they would be disliked and hated and looked to be killed. And, and they went into those with, you know, open arms of, of positivity and, and, and can we show them, can we show everybody the light? And so, um, you know, so that's, that's a big thing. So I'm, I'm glad we can talk about it. Amen. You touched on so many different things. That I was like, oh yeah, I love what he's saying there. I love what he's saying there. I have so many things I could add. I just love how you said, uh, we don't have to be fearful because first John chapter four says perfect love casts out fear and the love that God has for us is perfect. And if you trust in him, then there's nothing to be afraid of. I love that you said that. Nah, amen, man. Amen. And I think, you know, I really let's say I, if you've met my kids, um, they don't, they're not, I, I love it all the time. I mean, when everybody says, man, they, they're not bashful. I was like, I know I'm so happy for that. Like I want them to be now they, they overstep their grounds because they don't have a sensor on what to and uh, not say all the time, but they are passionate about life. And, you know, I, I love it. And they, they don't get embarrassed very often. You know, they, they're fearful of, of, and they're not very fearful. You know, they want to go try things. They want to be, adventurous and they want to, they want to meet everybody. And sometimes I'm like, especially in COVID, it's been so hard. It's like, my kids want to talk to everybody. They want to see who everybody and, and say hi. And they say hi in, in, in a way that I shouldn't be embarrassed, but sometimes I hate like, calm down a little bit. And I was like, you know, in the grant, no, go yell at them. Say what's up. You know, and if they have to slow down for you, it's okay. Like, and so uh, I'm very, I, I always think I'm very thankful and blessed that, you know, my kids can, I, I, they're how outgoing they are. Um, and it's, you always see the, the different uh, captions where you see a kid hanging from the rafters and, and everybody else standing in line and like, Hey, we, we need to rep. You know, we love the kid hanging in the rafters. Isn't it awesome? That's what I, until you're in that situation and you see some kid hanging in the rafters, you're like, whose kid is that? Well, it's always my kid and I love it. And I'm not, and, and I might say, be safe, but if I think they can handle it, I'm letting them do it. You know, and then when it's time to get in order and be respectful to others, hey, let's get over here. And but I think that's you know everybody wants to say they like those those gifs or memes where you know one kid is out doing his own thing until you see that kid in public and you're like, man, who's his parents? I'll just raise my head right here, right here. I'm his parents. 
um, and I love every minute of it. So, um, so I, I, and, and talking to you, Jack, has is, is been fun. So, Oh, yeah, this has been great. We'll wrap up in a short bit. The other thing about Palm Sunday that I was thinking about yesterday, the humility. This is the king of kings, and he comes in on a donkey. And we live in a culture where it's really easy to puff out your chest and say, look how great I am. Look at how my show is getting bigger. Or look at what I'm doing here. And just to to have humility and to know, like, look, None of this is possible without God. I need God in order to do these things. You need God in order to coach and to have success. And um, I just think about the humility. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of like, you know, we want to, I was kind of comparing that a little bit to like driving a car. So his ride of choice was a donkey. And now all of a sudden, I, I, I don't feel so bad about uh, riding around in a 2001 Honda Odyssey. You know, uh, that's, that's, that's a great, that's a great, thing. I, I still drive my 2001 Jeep. So, um, <laughs> now I don't, I, I, I don't drive it as much as I other all the time, but I, I love driving it, but humility is such a, and that's going back to following. Like it's okay to be a great follower. It really is. Like there's nothing wrong with being a great follower. It doesn't mean you're less in life. It well, I'll say, mean, I'll say Luke, in order to lead, you need to be able to follow. I'd say that. Well, Without a doubt, and I think that's where uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of us forget that sometimes, and I forget it sometimes. You know, I, I'm I'm a leader, man. I'm a coach, right? And you know, and but you know, I, I, and and for me, watching the NCAA tournament, you know, by me being the best follower I could be for Scott Drew, did I have a little bit of influence? I mean, did I help just a little bit? To see him out being number one seed, I wasn't trying to be a leader at that time, but I wanted to be a, a leader at some point. I'm still striving to do that today, but isn't it pretty cool? Because I was doing everything I could to make him the best he could be. You know, working with Bryce, working with Homer, working with Matt. Like, how can I be the best? I mean, and while doing it, I'm going to have differences. Like, I don't, like, I'm going to have differences on how we do different things and with all of them. Well, take my notes. And then sometimes those differences after a quarter, it was like, ah, you know what? Maybe my thought was not really what I thought. Maybe I like what they did, but can I make them better? Can I be a great assistant, a great follower? And, and so that, that's what I strive. And, uh, and it's hard sometimes. And, and I'm, and once again, every day, Hey, you gotta be a leader to my kids, but you also have to be respectful, thankful and be a follower and have humility in life because, Everything is bigger than you, you know, and um, as a team, if if you don't have any humility on your team and you're not be able to build that in and if you can't communicate and you can't do the things that we normally do and we can't be around each other really to embrace and, and, and or work out tough times because every player we coach was the best player on the team before they got here. They were the leader of the team. Well, now that we all got to be kind of like followers in one path and have humility to dive on a loose floor, to do the things that are tougher to do and to pass up a shot because that's not my best shot to get someone that's at the best shot of better. You got to have humility because, you know, two years ago, it's always the best shot for me to shoot. But that's, you know, I think that's a, a big lesson that Jesus taught us because he, all, in my mind, Jesus was always had humility. And once again, 2000 years later, 
everyone knows his name. They know his name better than Michael Jordan. They know his name better than LeBron James. I mean, Babe Ruth, whoever you want to say. Michael Jackson, everyone knows Jesus' name. And he lived a life of ultimate humility. So I think that's pretty amazing. And to have a, a good, you know, a good, a good team, you got to be able to build that. It doesn't come naturally. And I think that's why you see those veteran teams, the Baylors, the Loyolas, have great success this year because they have those veteran teams and they they have built in humility. So it's awesome. Amen, brother. That was that was awesome. I love that. Uh, we're about to wrap up here. Any other closing thoughts just on Easter, Holy Week, the tournament? No, uh, not at all, really. I, I mean, there we, we talk a lot, but um, yeah. we're thankful uh, that we, we got this to, to do it. Yeah, um, about time. Yeah, about time. I've, I've always told Jack he could always ask, and he just never has. I don't <laughs> I, I don't have enough personality for him, I think, so um, that's okay. No. Huh? Um, but maybe you just didn't think you were big time enough to, to ask me out, but hey, I, I want to be on the ground because once it meant humility, right? Yeah. Um, so, but no, I, I'm thankful to be on here with you. Uh, I want to wish everybody a happy Easter. Um, I hope they can spend it uh, at church. I hope they can spend it with family. I hope they can sell it, spend it celebrating and not confined to uh, uh, a dorm room for solid, you know, being in solid. And it's going to, ha- and it's, and there's going to be a lot of, Individuals have to do that. And, um, you know, I just, uh, that's what I hope. I, uh, as many people as possible can get out to church and uh, and be with family and be with friends and and do the safe thing, but still be able to be around them is is my goal. And uh, it's, you know, it's springtime. It's got, we got baseball, we got basketball, we got, we got everything. So uh, my kids uh, go, go play some flag football today. So we even got flag football going on. So, um, and, and he's playing soccer every day. So I got a lot of sports, a lot of Easter, a lot of things uh, going on. And every day we get to work out these guys and, and work on getting better. So um, I'm excited to be on here. And I just want to wish everybody a happy Easter. And I hope they can uh, spend it at church and spend it with their families. Yeah. And if you guys are unable to make it to church or maybe you haven't been to church in a long time or you want to be you're concerned about that, you're in a place you can't go. I'll tweet out a link on uh, on Sunday morning of a church that I've actually been streaming. It's actually a sister. The it's actually a church my sister goes to in Texas uh, that I've been enjoying. Now you can watch all kind. You can watch a number of church services mm-hmm. each week. Now um, I'll put that out there if anyone's interested. Uh, you can see that. I'll put that out on Twitter and Facebook on my Facebook page. That's awesome, Jack. I think that's and that's the beauty of what we've learned in this time. Is it you know if you can't get there, there's a way still to to get the word. And uh, it's not it's nothing like being around people. It's nothing like being in the present. Uh, but, you know, sometimes we got to find alternative ways to do it. And I, I love that you're going to put that out there and, and do that. So it's awesome. Thank you so much, Coach. This was awesome. I hope you guys have a great Easter. Would you like to put any uh, plugs out there? Anyone you want people to get in touch with you on social media or get in checking out the Valpo basketball program? Anything dangle out there for people? No, nah, I mean, I, I'd be as mean, mean fans of, of Valpo basketball as possible. Um, <laughs> I, I think our Twitter handle is at Valpo basketball, so it ain't too hard. Um, I don't know what the Instagram and all that stuff because uh, I only have uh, uh, Twitter and, and some Facebook. So, uh, but no, I, no, you, you do that, Jack. You know all about that stuff. I'm, <laughs> I'm just glad you let me get on the show and talk to you. 
Uh, this was a lot of fun, Coach. Uh, we'll have to do it again. Maybe we'll talk some socks later this summer or uh, have you back around the time college basketball gets going good. again. Let's do it. Yeah, and I'm sorry I wasn't able to get you on. I wasn't a full-time podcaster. At the time. <laughs> now I got now I got all the time in the world to do these shows. Oh no, man, that's is awesome. I'm just <laughs> I'm just I'm just joking with you, and and uh, you, you've been doing a great job. Very proud of you, and and, and keep keep doing. You're making Valpo proud. Uh, you know, Valpo alums are special people, and people that came to the Valpo they're special, and uh, and it's because of of guys like you, Jack. So go out there, keep making an impact. Um, on others' lives and and live life the way you are. And I just love seeing your journey. And and so many Valpo students have come through. Um, it's awesome. And it's hard because I've been at somewhere for so long. It's hard for me to always reach out to them. But I love it when, you know, they reach back out to me. And it's like, man, that's awesome. And I'm very fortunate that I've um, been seeing so many great people, uh, students, uh, faculty that have came through Valpo that are just they're making they're making other people's lives better and they're and they're improving this this society we live in. So um, and you're a prime example of that. So keep getting after it. Keep doing what you're doing and keep, put, keep putting people a uh, smile on people's face. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for those kind words and for your friendship and the things you've taught me, coach. So uh, thanks again for coming on. And I hope you have a very happy Easter. All right. Happy Easter. That was such a great time talking with Coach Gore. It was awesome having him on the show and really fun to talk about some stuff aside from the tournament. We got everything you could hope for this week. Baseball, basketball, Easter, Good Friday. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast and follow along on social media. Once again, Jack Vita Show, wherever it is that you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Alexa, you name it. Go to jackvita.com, get my newsletter, and then follow along on social media, facebook.com slash jackvitashow, at jackvitashow on Twitter and Instagram. And then uh, we've got uh, youtube.com slash jackvita for more of these live streams. All right, coming up this week, AL Central preview tomorrow with our World Series picks, MVP award, and our awards picks. Should be a lot of fun. Don't miss out on that. Wednesday, we should have another live stream in the works. I'll post information about that on social media. And then uh, Thursday, uh, once again, our bonus podcast talking about the best comebacks in sports over the last 20 years and uh, how great Jesus' comeback was. So uh, make sure you're subscribed. Until the next time you hear from me, guys, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters.